This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 18th, episode 2436, brought to you by Kemen Industries. Good morning, Horse World. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Again, those made a lot more sense before every day was Groundhog Day. Like, Monday doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. I guess it depends what your job is, right? And what you're doing for a living. But you're right. You're kind of right about that. So, um... Today on the show, we have big. We have a big guest stopping by today. We have a U.S. equestrian CEO, Bill Maroney, stopping by to discuss the upcoming show season amid COVID and what's going to happen with all the shows coming up and points and all of those I things. I do not envy that guy. No, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and 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 everybody's going to hate you no matter what decision you make. Uh, <laughs> we also have uh, Michael Eggleston, who is with Kamen. He's going to discuss inflammation in horses and how it affects horses in good and bad ways. And we start a financial series this week with Chicory Wealth and talk about, well, something we've never talked about on this show in 10 years, and that's finances and how to deal with it and how to do better investing and uh, w- whether you have some at work or not, or you have your own business that kind of thing. So we have a 10-part series on that coming up. And we also have some equestrian first world problems. And Jamie went horse shopping. So (laughs) Oklahoma style, baby. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that as well. All right, let's uh, get on to our daily. Oh, first, before I do that, I wanted to give a quick rundown here. And this will only take a second. But things are opening up again. Spring is bringing things back to life. The Kentucky Horse Park is opening in June. The campgrounds at the Horse Park will be opening on the 11th. Churchill Downs Racetrack and Santa Anita have their horses there and are starting to run races with no fans. Saratoga has been told by the governor that they can open on June the 1st with no fans. The 145th Preakness will now be run October 3rd. It's the first time since the end of World War II that uh, this has been held outside of May. So the Order of the Triple Crown series, I didn't know if you realize this, it's not sure because the Belmont is still on the calendar for June the 6th. Now, how they can do that, I'm not sure because what horse is going to be ready, right? So... uh, that's probably going to be moved. They suspect that it might be moved and it still might be ahead of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and they might actually shorten the distance. So I don't know. We're going to see <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> so we're going to see There's what like ha- a month between the Derby and the Preakness. And yeah. then the Belmont might happen before all of it. And it will be shorter. That is crazy. What, they don't want to run the Belmont at Christmas. What's wrong with them? <laughs> so. I mean, a Christmas Belmont for everyone with the snow and everything. That'd be exciting. <laughs> Um, Also, the World Equestrian Center in Ohio has announced that they're not doing a fall season. They're not going to run from September the 1st through March the 31st of 2021. Wow. 
Now, their facility there is all indoors. It, so they have some outdoor rings, but not many. So most of it is big indoor arenas. So what they're going to do is the series that normally happens over the winter up there indoors is going to move to the New World Equestrian Center here near my house in Ocala so, because it has space for a thousand horse shows. Hold on. You're telling me that the people of Ohio would rather shut down Ohio and go show in Ocala. That is so (laughs) weird. Oh my God. Now there are many people not happy about this whole decision. Now I wonder if part of this too, knowing these people and having talked to them several times, like you have, I wonder if they're also going to be focusing all their people and efforts on getting Ocala done because they're, you know, they got put a little behind schedule with this whole, whole uh, COVID thing. So I, there's more to this than I think meets the eye about why things are happening the way they're happening. But, okay. you know, seeing they have, uh, what, uh, almost $700 million invested in Ocala, they need to get it done. <laughs> so I think, I think there's more than we're seeing is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Daily Winnie. So uh, my daily Winnie is very simple and very easy today. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> and that is one happy birthday to one of our terrific auditors and a horse lover's cruiser, Andrew Halbach. Happy birthday to you, Andrew. And it just seems like 10 years ago since we were on the ship, and it's only been a couple months. <sighs> You're lucky to be alive. <laughs> I have two daily winnies, and that baby one is perfectly appropriate because Zinyata had a new baby girl. She's Chestnut with a star. He, uh, she delivered over the weekend um, at Lane's End Farm, Chestnut Philly by Candy Ride. Now, remember Zelda. Her last daughter is unraised, but currently in training for the sheriffs at Santa Anita. So uh, with the sheriffs at Santa Anita. So congratulations to Zenyatta having a nice, successful, happy baby, baby girl. Yay. Another baby in the world. And cute as a heck, by the way. God, aren't they all? She looks just like Zara. Go take like, a oh look God. at the pictures. They're really, Chestnut, really cute. Uh, Chestnut, Philly, Star, they all look the same. All of them are cute. Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely give them a give them a give them a look because they're really cute. You can find them all over everywhere. You can go to Zenyatta.com, too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's covering that story. I have another one. Oh. Another win. Oh, oh, I, oh, okay. Come on. We have a new friend, and she is uh, a new auditor, and she is my friend Larissa, who uh, lives here in Oklahoma and has gone on some um, horse adventures with me. And I just thought, you know, you need to join the auditors so you can go look at what is going to happen this weekend and see if you want to go. So um, I've... (laughs) So my my Polaris Ranger that I do everything in the farm, mucking stalls, cleaning pastures, everything, uh, died. And so things have been a, a bit of a mess here, and I'm freaking out. I, I go on Craigslist, and I start looking for a Ranger. Well, you know, you got to go to the farm and garden section to look for a Ranger. And what do you also see on the farm and garden section on Craigslist, Glenn? Uh, horses. Horses for sale. So I saw an ad. Ugh, you shouldn't be allowed. 
<laughs> and it was a, a like a little paint horse um, that it, the ad said and he was a he's a black and white overo gelding. It says no bucker butt eight years old. I'm like. Okay, can I get a little more information? So I text for more. I'm like, hi, I'm interested in learning some more about the paint horrors. Can you tell me more? And their response back is, what do you want? Like, <laughs> W-H-A-D-Y-A want. What do you want? No buck, no bite, 17 hands. What more do you need to know, you picky woman? I mean, he doesn't buck or bite. No, and by I mean... the way, they added in the information that he is 17 hands. I'm like... Huh? He doesn't look seventeen. So I'm like, I messaged back. I'm like, no, he looks you guys, fourteen hands in that picture you posted. <laughs> you guys are pretty far away from us. Do you mind sending me a video? Because I will not go see a horse unless I see a video. Because I want to make sure that it's not, you know, limping. Like with, you know, never buy a lame horse, right? So uh, I go. I they send me this like grainy video of this girl who is. She must be 12 feet tall because to make a 17 hand horse look small like that, she must be 12 feet tall. Like well, it's they a do grow big in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's a giant, a giant girl. And she's riding him, but like, bless her heart. Oh my God. She's about falling off right and left, you know? <laughs> and he's just kind of trotting along, but it's very grainy and he can't see, but I can tell he's not lame. Okay. I'm like, Larissa, would you like to go on a horse shopping adventure with me? And she's like, oh, my God, I love her showing. That sounds so fun. And I'm like, okay, what I need you to do is go into the auditor's Facebook page and read the comments under the photo picture I posted and, like, just to double check that that is what Poor you Larissa do. was expecting some fancy warm blood. <laughs> she gets it. She's a dressage rider and, like, breeds warm bloods, right? <laughs> and Andalusians. <laughs> like, hey, hop Hey, in. let's go look at this little painted thing. <laughs> the, I finally get directions to the house. I'm going to go yesterday morning. And the directions to the house, of course, <laughs> include, remember, this is the... St and by the way, all the auditors said, make sure you get a pre-purchase. That's hilarious because <laughs> there is no veterinarian yeah, than no. 100. Is this one miles. of those where you turn at the tree, by, uh, the big tree on the left? Oh, I'm going to read you the directions. Because <laughs> the GPS doesn't find this place, right? Oh, no. They no. said, Google Maps won't find it. You got to do it. And the text is... <laughs> Uh, uh, she goes, I'll, uh, I'll just text you the directions because you ain't going to find it on Google. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and the directions include, at the fourth dirt road on the right, make a left. <laughs> this used to be when I would run appointments with farmers in the old days. <laughs> uh, at the fourth dirt road on the right, make a left, drive past the place with all the implements in the yard, and we down on the left. That means so, a pile of crap. It is garbage. <laughs> that is exactly what it meant. Implements, including old cars, metal pieces to I don't know Rats. and he, that wasn't their house yeah um so I was like at the fourth road on the right you make a left like what and she's like yeah you just count them that way because there ain't four roads on the left so it's just easier from, I'm like you can just tell me the second road on the left whatever <laughs> let's just go with it so I I get there and it's a dirt road right and I've got I've got my trailer attached because this is this place because you're not, not going back twice <laughs> i ain't going back twice so i get there and there's a guy mowing the lawn shirtless um and and um do you ever think like the, the biggest people have the skinniest horses right so this falls in that category the guy riding i'm impressed the, he was mowing the lawn he's got a riding lawnmower what? and he's mowing the little bit in the front um by the road 
and I park and this is a like legit, like nobody is on this road. Nobody has been on this road for these people. And I park just on the road, the trailer and truck right there. And he hops off the lawnmower, turns off. He goes, you can't park there. Like why? I go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He goes, you blocking the driveway. And I look and there's like this old decrepit dirt road that goes like up <laughs> into the distance, like four miles. I'm like, really? <laughs> so I had to back up and like repark on an abandoned dirt road. Like I'm telling you what. Okay. So we get there and they've got the horse standing in the front yard, which means you can't catch him. <laughs> so they've got him right there. And I walk up and I look at him and the guy says to me, you little girls always like big old horses like this, don't you? How big and, was it? Please. A 14 I'm like, two. I'm like, where do you mean this horse is? <laughs> I, I didn't know what to say. I was completely confused. I was like, this horse? Dude, he is like, I, I, I sticked him when I got home because I was very confused. And at the Withers, he is 15'3". At the <laughs> He's bigger back, than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's bigger. I expected. Uh, but you know what? One of our listeners, Robin, said 14, he's going to be 14'7". And you know what? You're right. He's 14'7". <laughs> um, so... I, I'm like, I'm like this, this horse. He goes, yeah, man, this horse is huge. You know, my daughter's got a horse. She usually, uh, she usually rides one. He's about, you know, he's about 14, one, which means he's probably 12, two. <laughs> anyway. So shirtless guy still talking. Mama comes out, daughter comes out and I'm like looking the horse over and I, please tell yeah. me the horse was tied to a stake in the yard. They, they're just holding him. They're oh, holding okay. him because I don't know if he dies. <laughs> um, so I run my hands down his leg and then I, go, I like put my hand over his back and like go to touch his back leg and he like scoots away real quick. And I was like, hey, uh, how is he? You know, for the ferry? Oh, you know what? I, I, I said somebody <laughs> I'm going to touch his back foot. And she goes, oh, man, after I did it. Oh, man, you know what? We can't touch his back leg since we had him. <laughs> of course they haven't. <laughs> and his back feet have not been trimmed. His front feet don't look too weird. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I'm like, okay, well, can can we ride him? You know, are you guys going to hop on him and ride him around for me? Yeah, they get their daughter out. They tack up the horse and they put a halter and they clip reins to the halter. And I was like, does he not take a bit? And she's like, we just ride him like this. So that means he's probably never had a bit in his mouth. I'm like, where did you get him? Nor we bought him a year one. ago. <laughs> yeah, we bought him a year ago from a sale. And I was like. What kind of sale? And she's like, it's a killer sale. And the husband's like, no, it wasn't. It was a riding horse sale. They rode him through. I was like, okay, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I, you can't ask people like that for information about no. the horse because it doesn't matter what they say. Um, so they get on him. And the little girl starts turns around and rides him off. And this is the man's daughter. And he looks at me and he goes, you know what? She can't ride a stick horse. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Things you heard in Oklahoma. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say? She can't ride a stick horse. I'll tell you what. Every time that horse makes a turn, she's going to fall off. She can't ride nothing. That girl can't ride a fence But we're going to put him up there. Her Put her up there anyway. And I was like, this is your, I'm sorry. Is that your daughter? Like, is that? Yeah. Yeah, man. You know what? We decided to get her a cold one year for her to break. And you know what? I, it just I did not go well. I put her up a round pin out there and she didn't do nothing with it. And I'm like, uh, you know what? We don't have to break it. I was like, stop talking. I was like, you know what? Bring your horse back over. I'll get on. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So 
at this point, what I haven't told you is that there is a person that has seen this picture of this horse. And this is a listener and she is an auditor and she is like, I am looking for a horse that is a trail horse. I can ride by myself. I, if you like him and you think he's sensible, I will go in as a partner with you on him. And, and, and so of course, but she thinks this is like a 17 hand paint or maybe. So I call her. By the way, I haven't seen too many 17 hand paints. Let me just throw that out there. No, no, no. Not a lot of Um, them. I have seen, I've seen one, but he was like, you know, if you're their bread for color and size, there is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but, and so I called this listener and I'm like, Hey, um, I just want to let you know, auditor friend, that this is not a 17 hand horse. This is like a 15 two hand horse. And she's like, Oh, thank God. 17 hands is too big. Like, okay. So like, I'm going to go ride him. I'll just keep you posted. But right now his legs look clean, but then I go and get on him and he's super ouchy on the rocks. Like really. And, and there was, um, like their little front yard. And then they had that dirt road that nobody has been on in a hundred years that I couldn't park in front of the driveway. Right. So I'm like, I'll just take him down the road and see what he does. Cause I know she wants to travel, ride him alone. I leave the farm. This guy goes right out. I ride him half a mile down. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn him around. I'm going to drop the reins and see what he does. And I turn him around. I drop the reins. What do you think he did, Glenn? Uh, nothing stopped. I turned him around, headed him back to the barn. I dropped the reins and I'm like, let's see what you're going to do. And that bugger walked calmly all the way back. Huh. Not didn't re- trot, didn't speed up, didn't. I mean, and then he passed his house and kept going. He's like, I don't want to go back <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, please. please take me away. <laughs> so he's got all these like bug bites all over him and everything. And um, he's just a mess. Well, and you but know he's that also these people weren't bit, drugging him. You're pretty confident of that. <laughs> uh, he's also, yeah, exactly. But he's also a little off on the rocks. So we dra- we start jogging him. Uh, Larissa jogs him. I jog him. I'm like trying to figure out. I'm like, oh, God, does this horse have like some lameness problem or is he just foot sore? And I go, you know, he's just a little lame in that left front there on the rocks. And he goes, well, hell, I trimmed him five minutes before you got here. I don't know what's wrong with him. I was like, what? (sighs) Well, they trimmed his front feet, but they never touched the back, apparently. Oh, oh no. I said to him, I go, you know what? She said that he was really bad with the back feet. How did you find him uh, with his back feet? And she goes, he goes, I didn't touch his back feet. I'm like, obviously, his back feet are like water skis. <laughs> so you had he's to take covered him, in you? bug bites. He's uh, just a mess. And and um, this listener is like, I call her and she's like, well, I'll just go in as a partner with you. Take him home. So we go back and I'm like, uh, okay, we'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> so we took him home. So I go and load the trailer and get the trailer, um, you know, because it's just in the road. I'm like, okay, let's see if he just loads on the rocks in the road. And that son of a gun jumps in the trailer. And like, out of here. me out of here. I can't be Is there here. food in here? <laughs> never. And of course, he's skinny. You know, he never made a peep in there. He never whinnied. He never was like, bye, friends. He was like, get me out of here. <laughs> Maybe they don't notice I jumped in their trailer. So we closed up, get him home, unload him. He's just like, cool. Where are we? I don't know. Um, it turns out all those bug bites, Glenn, are yeah. ticks oh. all over his body. Oh. He is covered in ticks. Now, we don't have what you guys have. So our, We don't have it in Oklahoma. There's not Lyme's disease, so it's not really a big worry well, of that. that's good, because otherwise yeah. they'd be treating for that two days. Yeah, no, we don't have limes here. So, um, 
and so yeah, this this listener's like, do all the things you need to do to him, and uh, and uh, so hopefully he'll work out and go to live uh, with her. And do you know the reason I'm not giving you her name? Uh, no, I don't. Because she hasn't told her husband yet. <laughs> 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 so I had to take him home. And so here he is. He has no name. Well, they, they named him and he's a black and white paint. And they call him his, paint. No, uh, better, more obvious than a black and white paint name paint. What would you call a Oreo? black and white horse? You got it. Oh, no. <laughs> so his name is Oreo. So I get home and I'm like, we are not calling him Oreo. That's so generic for a black and white horse. No offense. To our friend Karen, who has an Oreo, because there's already he yeah, looks like an Oreo. Oreo. He's black, white, and yeah. black. He's a fancy Oreo. This is like he's a, a splotchy stuff. paint. So I get home and I'm like, Chad, he needs a name. What do you want to call him? And he's like, mm, He looks like an Oreo to me. I was like, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> no, he's not an Oreo. We're gonna have to come up with something. So I told the listener, I was like, Here's some pictures of him. Name him. And he needs a name because I'm just calling him Dude right now. <laughs> And and I went to feed him this morning. I put the food in the bucket and he's like, had no idea where to go. Like he has no idea what grain is. He had just didn't know where to like go to eat it. He, I'm like over here in the hole. It's in the, it's in the bucket, you know? And he just, okay, whatever. And I'm just, my heart breaks for him, but I'm so excited. We were able to get him. Well, hopefully he'll end up in a place that uh, he can get some love and attention and actually. Yeah. Well, he'll get that here too. You know, the things he, the things he didn't know how to do was stand still stand still to be mounted, um, to have his feet picked up. All of those All things those are, are easy. You to can't, fix. Yeah. yeah, those are easy ones that for me, that those are some of my favorite things to teach. You know, now it's just getting him to trust people, but he's not skittish. He's not spooky. He's not one that is going to like take off with you, you know, and, and the bones are good. You know, you can't make that brain. So he still has a good brain. <laughs> well, yay for whatever listener and whoever's their name is. I hope it goes well telling your husband. I know, right? I'm like, could you tell your I feel like a, I'm like helping you lie. Whatever. It's fine. I don't care. I can picture this whole story because I've been on many of those trips in the middle of nowhere looking at horses. I picture the oh whole story. God. You know what? I was like, Larissa was like, should I have brought my gun? I was Different like, accents. You didn't? Different accents, but the story is the same. I can't tell you how many of those Kentucky trips we took into the middle of nowhere looking at horses. Well, you know, one of the things that horses end up with sometimes is inflammation. Sometimes inflammation is good. Sometimes it's not so good. I caught up with Michael from Kemen, and we talked a little bit about inflammation. Well, I asked Michael Eggleston to come on. He is an equine key account manager at Kemen to talk about a couple of things. We've been hearing a lot lately about immune systems and about inflammation and things as it goes along with viruses. But in relation to horses, I wanted to talk about inflammation. So, so Michael, tell us a little bit about, can you describe inflammation, what inflammation is in a horse? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Just to keep it really simple and basic, um, inflammation is just the immune system's response to something. So usually it's injury, infection, or an allergy. Uh, what happens is it results in an increase in blood flow and white blood cells, uh, and those move to the affected region. So when this starts to occur, you get this chemical that's released called a cytokine. And that really helps initiate that inflammatory response. Um, but at the same time, it's starting that healing process. So inflammation is really just one way that that body helps that helps itself heal. So, so a lot of us think, and I, 
I think that too. When I think of inflammation, I think of it as being a bad thing. But you're, there, you're saying inflammation is there for a reason. It's a good. Th- it's a good thing to try and help uh, the body. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there again. It's the body has all these mechanisms in place that can help itself heal. And, uh, and being a horse owner, and, and to your listeners, they know that horses are healing quite often because if they can get into something, they get into it. Um, so inflammation is typically beneficial and that's usually when it's acute, meaning it's happening for a short duration. It, it gets in there, it gets the job done, that tissue begins to heal and then it goes away. Um, when it becomes a bad thing though, is when it's fighting an infection or that healing process for a long duration of time. So it's no longer an acute process. It's a chronic process. So as that time continues, it can actually start to to degrade that tissue. So rather than helping that tissue heal, it's harming it by degrading it. So a normal protective immune response, it, it becomes amplified. So once that inflammation becomes um, hyper amplified and it, it continues for a long duration of time, it can actually become systemic. So that means it's spreading throughout the whole body. It's no longer localized. It's actually causing tissue degradation all over. So what are some of the things that systemic inflammation can result in? What are the, what's the result of it? You know, if we're talking about people, we can talk about like asthma, but here we're talking about horses. So let's keep it really relevant. Um, you know, insulin resistance, that's something that we've been hearing more and more about with horses. Metabolic. A very fat pony. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I have one of those too. I have a two-year-old daughter that suckered me into buying one. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and going, you know, following along the lines of ponies, ponies are, uh, for some reason, uh, they're a little bit predisposed to laminitis, uh, which is another good example. Uh, there's a number of others, but, you know, those are the ones that, that I see most common, whether it's an equine practice or, you know, or just out in the horse world. So um, what, what, are, what are some causes of, of systemic inflammation? I know that there's a lot of things, but uh, can you narrow it down a little? Usually there's an underlying problem. Um, and, and that's what's causing these associated health issues. One really common one, and talking about ponies, is obesity. I don't know um, anything that, about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that adipose tissue, those fat cells, they can actually release those cytokines similar to those that are released during an inflammatory or that immune response we we're talking about earlier. Um, in a healthy horse, those cytokines, uh, they can actually help regulate the metabolism. But when we're talking about an obese horse or these horses that uh, might be a little bit on the plump side, there's a lot more of those fat cells. They're enlarged uh, and they're going to be releasing a lot more of those cytokines. Um, and what that does is it essentially disrupts that metabolism. Whenever you get a disrupted metabolism, you're getting this uh, insulin resistance, you're getting higher blood sugar levels. And those high blood sugar levels can actually cause additional inflammation, which even further disrupts that metabolism. So you get this horrible, vicious cycle. So it's like a a big snowball effect. You get these enlarged fat cells. They cause inflammation. The cytokines uh, then suppress that metabolism. The insulin resistance um, ends up leading to even higher blood glucose levels. So it's just it's, you know, it's this perpetuating cycle. Um, That's why my wife makes me put my muzzle on my pony in the summertime. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's a a prime example. Um, You know, another cause of systemic inflammation is LGS, which I believe you all have talked about before, or leaky gut syndrome. Yeah. This is really occurring when there's a breakdown of that GI tract. So think of it like a sieve. So suddenly you have all these holes in this compromised GI tract, 
And then, uh, and they can be caused from stress. Well, they're usually caused from stress. So good examples are temperature, exercise, diet change. Um, if you have an anxious horse from the farrier comes to visit, essentially everything that a horse is, is subjected to on a very regular basis. So whenever that intestinal lining becomes damaged or weakened, uh, it allows these harmful substances that are in the environment that horses are exposed to every day to actually become a problem. So they can leak through that intestinal lining and enter the bloodstream. So suddenly you have this localized uh, inflammatory response that's happening on that, that GI tract level, but then it's spreading throughout the body, throughout that bloodstream. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things that uh, you don't see it until it's too late. It, it's a very small problem, but by the time it's recognized, it's it's been going on for quite a while and, and you have a pretty significant problem. Um, you know, Dr. Liara Gonzalez, um, she's from North Carolina State University. She was quoting this article that was titled, It's All Connected. Uh, and, and she did such a, a jam up job just summarizing it. And, and she said, if a horse is unable to compensate in the face of excess inflammation, then inflammatory mediators create this vicious cycle of unchecked whole body inflammation. And she's talking about that systemic inflammation there. So really our goal at Kim and Equine is to help horse owners address these problems before they result in this excessive inflammation, just by giving them some, some tools that they can actually mitigate that damage themselves before it becomes a health or performance problem. So, so what, so then what are some of the ways that uh and equine helps horse owners prevent some of the issues like leaky gut or the reduced insulin sensitivity that can lead to the inflammation? You know, I, I get asked that question quite a bit, you know, what, what can I give my horse to, to solve this issue or that issue? Um, and there's really no silver bullet. You know, it's there, there's so many products out there that do a really good job of, of addressing something, but there's not something out there that can take care of it all on its own. So that's why we've taken this multi-pronged approach by using several different scientifically proven solutions, such as uh, the Butaprol ZEQ. It's, it's a unique uh, first of its kind product. It's essentially butyric acid and zinc, and those work synergistically to help, you know, heal and, uh, and, reinforce that intestinal tract so they can help mitigate some of that uh, that influx of those pathogens into the bloodstream. Uh, the other would be Clostat. Uh, you know, it's a really unique proprietary probiotic. It's, uh, it's a bacillus subtilis strain, and it helps that horse naturally defend itself against those uh, pathogen, pathogenic bacteria um, from some different varieties of Clostridium and other equine-specific bacteria. Uh, and then uh, Chemtrace, I believe you all talked about this as well. Um, you know, it's the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium, uh, and it helps with that insulin sensitivity. So there again, it goes back to helping manage some of those blood sugar levels that solicit that inflammatory response. Uh, and it's important to note that these are nutritional solutions. They're not drugs. They're not medications. It's just a, a natural approach to giving those uh, animals the tools that they need uh, to help take care of themselves, essentially. Um, it's always best to combine good nutrition with good management practices and then getting proactive with your vet. Um, and I always say I use the AA approach and that's assess the situation and address the situation. So, you know, stop. We can tend to get a little bit emotional when our horses are uncomfortable or there's a problem, but we just got to think it through and be very analytical with, uh, with an approach to, to taking care of them. All right, so we've talked about inflammation, autoimmune problems, leaky gut, chromium. 
what should the listeners take away from what we're talking about today? What's the summary? So, you know, there are several of the concerns that impact horse health and performance, uh, and they're caused by these underlying issues, such as that systemic inflammation that we're talking about or leaky gut syndrome. Um, and we need to really focus on that sound nutritional approach just to help mitigate those issues. Um, you know, for me, the main takeaway here is that there is no easy cure to address these issues. Um, we want to take a very comprehensive approach and a holistic approach, meaning something that's very um, addressed in its entirety, I guess we can say. So with that in mind, you know, Chem and Equine has developed this whole portfolio of ingredients, their solutions that help maintain the quality of feed, strengthen that GI barrier that we were talking about, and then, uh, of course, defend against those pathogens that are coming in, and most importantly, make sure that we're uh, utilizing that blood glucose. Um, you know, Kemen is really an ingredient company, you know, that's everybody asking, well, where can I find your product? Well, you won't find it on the shelf. Um, our goal is to work with uh, top feed and supplement companies to bring these solutions directly to you. We don't want to upset that status quo with how you're doing your, your daily feeding or your daily management practices. Um, so by working with a feed company, we can actually deliver all these products through a feed um, without the, the need for additional supplementation because, um, you know, as, as we all know, uh, we as horse owners love to supplement. Um, so if you'd like to know more, you can visit us at kemen.com slash equine, and that's uh, K-E-M-I-N dot com slash equine. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining us. It's been very interesting. We appreciate you stopping by. All right, terrific. Thank you so much. Stay safe. And that's kemen.com slash equine. Well, thank you to him for joining us. Uh, still coming up on today's show, we have Bill Maroney, who is the CEO of U.S. Equestrian, the USEF, talking about horse showing and the future of it coming up. Uh, also, we, we're going to be starting a financial series here in a couple of minutes, right after we do Equestrian First World Problems. But I wanted to mention a special that we're doing Wednesday night, uh, and we're going to be helping out a good cause on Wednesday night as well. Helena and I, yes, Helena, my first co-host, and I are going to be hosting a showcase. We're doing an Equestrian Artist Showcase on Facebook Live, on the Horses in the Morning, and the Horse Radio Network, and the Auditor Room, all over my personal page, and we're going to be doing a it's a showcase so we're going to have 10 artists on the ones we couldn't fit in last week's shows here on horses in the morning <laughs> and we're going to have them on they each got five minutes to show us their art but i got something exciting uh, uh so you all know fergus the horse and you know Jean abernethy she was on our show on friday she's the artist of fergus and who's very popular she is going to come on at the beginning of the show and she's actually going to do a piece of art with fergus she's going to draw it while we're on the show and we're going to check in with her all throughout the hour. And at the end of the hour, we're going to auction it off to the highest bidder. And it's going to benefit what charity? It is going to benefit Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation. That is so sweet, Jean, and so sweet, Glenn. Thank you for making that. Uh, Horse and Hound lost a ton of fence and some straight line wins. And that's the thing in Oklahoma, I guess, uh, straight line wins. And uh, they you lost have curly only... wins, straight line wins, circular There's wins. just twirly. Yeah, they twirl <laughs> and go straight. And I don't know what it's called, but like it just moves. And anyway, they lost like a, a couple hundred feet of fence and the horses got it. It was crazy. Um, everybody's okay. But they need help with that, and it's that time of year, you know, they need to buy some more grain and hay and take care of all the 50 thoroughbreds that they have. 
I'm recovering and uh, from various whatevers. So anyway, that is so awesome, Jean, and so awesome, Glenn. Thank you for. Well, I, I doing think it's going to be cool seeing her draw all throughout the show. You know, seeing yeah. her do it. That's going to be kind of cool. And we're going to have hopefully, we, you know, if some of the other artists will donate, we'll auction off more than one thing. But you got to be t- tuned in live. So definitely tune in live. It's going to be seven thirty on Eastern Time, seven thirty to eight thirty on Wednesday night. Should be a lot of fun. You get to see Helena, and uh, we should have a good time. So. So hopefully we'll have you join us. But now we have about 10 minutes to do some equestrian first world problems. You like how Glenn says we have 10 minutes, like he's keeping me I, That's how I keep you on track, yes. My <laughs> subtle way of doing that. You know what? Glenn never cares about time unless he's got a big guest on the show. And so, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep things tight. Um uh, <laughs> Remember, if you have an equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. That is just the way that we live if we have horses. Um, We'll start. These are submitted by our auditors. So on Sundays nights or at this point, I was three o'clock in the morning because I woke up. Why did I wake up and see an hour ago? It was like 4 a.m. here. (laughs) I'll see an hour ago. Because I was up at 3 a.m. That's just the way (laughs) that I work sometimes. Um, And then I was like, oh, I forgot to post. Let's see if I get any. And of course, I have like 50 comments. So if you want to become an auditor to submit these what do they do, Glenn? Very simple. Just go to horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right side of the page, and for as little as $3 a month, you too can become an auditor. Click on the auditor banner. It does not line Glenn's pockets, believe me. No, <laughs> no actually, uh, uh, we should mention, because we don't always mention, that half of that goes out to the hosts for the Horse Radio Network shows, including Jamie. It does, and it, it also goes to brand new equipment like Glenn has this morning, which, by the way, you sound... Really nice. It like does. It I got really a new good. mixer, the first one in 12 years. That mixer that I was using for this show was 12 years old. <laughs> it was the first one we bought. It worked, but it was starting to conk out. And now See, I have a mixer with out. a we don't even know thousand what a buttons now. Blah, so. blah, blah. <laughs> I posted a picture of it in the auditor room. There's a lot of buttons. I don't know how to use most of them. I could do reverb and stuff and let, like, if I ever figure out how. We'll test that. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing. Okay, well, Jenny b- b- posted these. Glenn is keeping me uh, tight on time here. I have like five minutes, so I had to edit these pretty quick. But Jenny says, shopping for... You're going to see a theme in here, Glenn. Okay. Shopping for a new horse, so I set up my credit list to get emails of new ads with horse in it. Bad idea, because now I have to scroll through 500 lawnmower ads. <laughs> Horsepower. <laughs> 5 HP. Uh, <laughs> Patricia says my husband Guys is love doing... to talk about horsepower when it comes to tractors oh. and lawnmowers. <laughs> it is so true. Um, what you need to do is if you want a mare or a gelding, you got to put mare or gelding, and then you got to spell gelding 16 different ways, like <laughs> gilding, welding, <laughs> all the things. Um, my husband is doing great with his new polo horse, but my Sundays are taking up by being his groom. <laughs> so your husband's a polo player and you get to groom well, for him. But yeah, first that, she said he has a new polo horse. Yeah. Again, shopping for a new horse. <laughs> I have a new horse. Lorene. Oh my God. This is great. I'm going to read it in her not so Brooklyn accent. OMG, someone please reopen a beauty salon. My hair <laughs> my hair looks like my horse's mane when he comes in from the field after being out all night. And that's a Jersey girl <laughs> speaking right there. <laughs> Lisa and Lisa is in New Zealand too. So these come from all over. Everybody has first world problems. 
and I'll, I can't do her accent, but I'll read it the way she wrote it. I had all the rust done in my float and it's all shiny and new with a paint job. Remember a float is a horse trailer. I had all the rust done in my float and now it's all shiny and new with a paint job. But now I have to put my horses in it. One likes to blow snot all over the side <laughs> windows. God. That's like anything you paint. It's, it's You just know it's going to get dirty. Or if you have your car detailed, then it's like, oh. I can't, Can I, I just wanna... tell you, our truck oh. has, we bought it with hail damage. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever because I just don't, like my husband won't care. if he, It's like <laughs> out, you know. But, but you, you buy a truck like that. Oh my God, we put a cover on it. You know, it's a work truck. Um, Rebecca says my nieces are visiting and they like to clean stalls, but they never do it right. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like husbands. (laughs) Going back to the theme here, um, bought a new horse yesterday. This is Marissa, but he's mostly white. And now I have to replace all my white show saddle pads with black show saddle pads. Girl, (laughs) feel you. (laughs) (laughs) StatelineTac.com. Uh, yeah, and I do love the back on track uh, saddle pads for dressage. Um, Kristen says, my new saddle. <laughs> Everybody's got something new in quarantine. Everybody's been shopping. My new saddle shows butt sweat really bad, and it's so embarrassing. <laughs> God, I have a saddle with like a butt sweat stain. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Um, like something new. You don't want it to get dirty. Teresa says, I have a new horse, and he's so dang cute that he keeps distracting me from all my barn chores. People been doing some shopping. <laughs> oh, my God. Stephanie writes, I want to ride my new horse, but our new puppy is so cute and fluffy. I want to play with her, too. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. Carrie. My new horse that I bought and my lease horse are now at different barns now, so I have to drive 15 whole minutes between rides. Um, do you keep your, do you have to load up your tack and like take it? Or do you take your tack? Do you have like saddles at both places? Like first world problems. Then you have two saddles to clean. Um, everybody's shopping. Marielle says my new total saddle fit girth came on Saturday, but my new saddle won't be here until Tuesday. (laughs) I need to buy something. I'm I'm behind here. I bought a new horse over the weekend, too. Now, I'm going to read this one to you because this one is personal. Okay. And Kayla, suck it. Okay, so this is what Kayla posts. Is this the Kayla I'm thinking of? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's Kayla. I have been doing the push-up challenge. Oh, she's been posting endless videos of her looking all buff. Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. I've been doing the push-up challenge, 25 push-ups for 25 days, and I nominated Jamie, but she didn't participate. Oh, look at you, lazy ass. You think for (laughs) one minute that I'm going to go up against these 20-somethings in their sports bras videotaping push-ups? No. Yeah, and they all were in sports bras, too. (laughs) Max Cochran did it. She did it. She's not 20-something. She posted her video every day. By the way, don't even bother nominating me. I don't care who you are. Uh, it's just not gonna happen. No. Like, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Matter of fact, I neither one like- of us. I'm on your. I'm. I'm defending Jamie. I don't think it's right either, Jamie. I am serious. I start kickboxing again today. I have kickboxing at four o'clock, and I promise you, I will do a lot more than twenty-five push-ups <laughs> there. However, I will not be videotaping it and posting it on the internet because I am in a sports in bra. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am forty, and I'm can not I just doing say, it. Kale is looking good. She's very buff. 
Can I also say that uh, she also says, also, Lindsay Pierce nominated me for the handstand challenge. And that's where you do a handstand and put on a shirt because you're wearing a sports bra. She's like, um, I thought I would try to cheat and hang my feet from the pull-up bars. And I still can't put a shirt on while doing Did a fake handstand. Did you see Lindsay's dance. video of her doing that? She's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> Through all of this, I have realized I am not very strong. And my husband is seeing all the posts from the horse people and was like, you guys aren't very strong. Maybe you should work out more instead of sitting up there. P.S. He may or may not be dead. Tune into the latest crime <laughs> podcast to find out. <laughs> there will be no videotaping of me in a sports bra, putting on clothes, taking off clothes. <laughs> I'm too old for that. Kayla? I love you. Um, Avery says, again, the theme, I got a new fancy rain jacket from Carrots, and I was so excited to finally get to use it yesterday during my lesson. But it stopped raining and got sunny right as I rode into the arena. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is my last one. Again, everybody, y'all need to make a list of things that you have bought. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go into the auditor's Facebook page and I'm going to put a list down of things you've bought during this quarantine oh, and I good. want a we'll complete see what, list. Yeah, we'll see what the we'll see what odd things people have bought. Yeah, I, I mean I need to know. I bought a horse, I get it. I bought a horse yesterday, whatever. Um I'm not judging. I just am And then a separate list of the things you've actually told uh, not told your husband about. Yeah, if it's auditor room, you're safe. Um, except for those of you that husbands join too, so they can keep an eye on you. Um, I did do this too. I uh, our our uh, Mother's Day happened, you know, and and I think they're outside for Mother's Day. Chad, like you know, had Lucas make me something, and I was like, oh hell no, that's not enough. Like you can't just have the kid make me something for Mother's Day. I want something like for me, like this is the hardest job I've ever had. You ain't getting away with no stick horse crap that Lucas made. It's great. That's him. You need to pony up and (laughs) dig out some credit cards and buy me something. nice. (laughs) So I bought a big ass fan for the barn. Oh, did you? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was like big round. Yeah. Yeah. Plug in. My fairy is going to be so happy, but that'll um, blow the dust right out the end. (laughs) Exactly. I won't ever have to blow the barn aisle again. (laughs) I'll blow the horse out the end. (laughs) (laughs) And so Rachel wrote, so I splurged and I got my man again, shopping. So I splurged and I got my mare a fancy, expensive, big fan for her stall. And she loves it so much that all she does is stand under it. In fact, she loves it so much that she no longer goes outside to poop and poops in the inside part (laughs) where all the shavings are and then walks in it. So my nice, easy, always poops right by the fence mare is now a complete pain in the butt to clean. (laughs) At least she likes her (laughs) thing. Maybe turn the fan off for an hour or two a day. Let her go bathroom someplace else. Yeah, because we don't wait on our horses enough. No. We just stand there and like, I'm feeling you need to poop. I'm going to turn the fan off. Um, y'all, again, I'm going to make a post. Like, I need to I need to see photos and proof of the things that you've bought during this quarantine. I'm going to post a picture of the horse and the big-ass fan. Okay? <laughs> I've sold two horses, too, so I know it's not just y'all. I bought a mixer. You Does did. that count? That counts, see? Yeah. And then uh, I've... The, the make By the way, that run. mixer costs more than my pony. So, <laughs> <laughs> did it really? Yeah. So, make a liquor run. One of the horses that I was training just got adopted. Um, and the other mare that I just had, I can't remember her name. Uh, she just got adopted. So, I, it's crazy. I think what we did was we did the math, and like eighteen out of the twenty-two horses that I have trained here have been adopted. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And that makes good financial sense for the people who bought them. And for the rescue to get them off their bill. 
And which <laughs> leads us into a perfect transition into a brand new segment that y'all we're about starting. to learn how messed up y'all are. <laughs> yeah. A new segment we're starting with our friends over at Chicory Wealth about investing. We've never done this in the 10 years we've done this show. So we're, this is going to be a 10 part series that we're going to do over the next couple of months. And we hope that you enjoy this and that you learn a little something along the way about what you're doing right, not doing right, or how we can improve what we're doing. So uh, let's take a listen. We're excited to bring you another educational series here on the Horse Radio Network. This time, we're going to talk about finances with certified financial planner Christina Kramlick of Chicory Wealth. As horse owners, finances are something that we are acutely aware of, and hopefully this series will help us better understand where we are and where we can go with our financial situation. Well, we are back with part two of our Finances for Horse Owners series, and I am here with Christina of Chicory Wealth. If you missed part one, you can go to horseradionetwork.com slash planning and take a listen to all the parts right there. Well, Christina, today we're talking about why financial planning is important for horse owners. And we know that it is, right? Just simply because horses are expensive. It's more than just that, though, because it's a lifelong passion. I actually think we are very lucky because as horse owners, we have found a passion and most people, by the time they're in retirement or nearing retirement, they don't necessarily have that thing that they know that they want to go do and spend more time on. And we have, and it provides endless learning opportunities. It's physical activity. So it keeps us fit and it has that aspect of spiritual connection. So I think we have to remember that we're really fortunate that we've been able to learn how to ride and have horses in our lives. Starting from there, you also have to realize, okay, when we take on the care and feeding of a horse, it's a huge commitment. We've all been there. And it's Some one of those. It's a lot more than one horse. though. <laughs> Yes. Uh, some people ask me who aren't horse people, so how many horses do you have now? And I just try to not answer the yeah, question. Too many. It's always The answer is always just too many. <laughs> That's what I say. But what are you going to do? I mean, I have my 31-year-old. She's, uh, you know, she's a piece of work, but uh, but she's 31 and she's feeling good and I'm I'm happy. So it's a lot of gritty work for some beautiful moments. And, and I think we can all agree that it's worth it. And it keeps us in touch with our intrinsic values. And that is important to each of us. So so it's one of those things where all those hours of schlepping and mucking and brushing and riding and training conspire to make those beautiful moments that we remember and are some of our most treasured memories in life. So, So that hard work is part of the experience. And what... Sometimes I think horse people don't anticipate when they take on that one or two or more or three, four horses is that it all adds up. It's really easy to say, oh, what's one more horse? It's just another couple of bales of hay when I buy all my hay in the fall or whatever, however it is that you do it. But there's a lot of costs that go in to making all those moments happen and to keeping those horses well cared for. So it takes a lot of time and money and uh, it's something that we all 
love and are very passionate about. But by perhaps putting some guardrails in place and thinking through planning at the beginning of each year or at some point each year or every few months, however, what, at whatever intervals work for you, um, it goes a long way towards helping you not hit the wall at some later stage. I know this because I've lived it in my own life. I think we all have. Yes. Yeah. So it, you, you know, it's it, sometimes it seems overwhelming, but but it uh, it can lead to a much healthier relationship with other people in your life if you have a handle on how much things are going to cost and and have some concrete ways of dealing with all those unforeseen problems. When is a good time to start thinking about about planning for the future? Any time. I, you know, the sooner the better, really. Um, I think personally for me, I didn't get into the ownership side of horses until I was in my thirties and, and I had a career and I, and I had a, a, a place to keep them. Um, but I think, you know, I, I've seen people who are much younger than that get a little over their skis, as it were, as far as taking on horses. And, and then they have to deal with some potentially heartbreaking consequences when life changes and they can't continue to care for the horses that they've taken on. If you're in the position where you love horses, you know you want them in your life forever, before you make the commitment to take on a horse of your own or horses of your own, Sit down, do a plan, assess, you know, lots of different questions about where you want to live, how, you know, what, what's your career look like? How can you support your horses? How, you know, how will you do training? How will you cover vet bills? How will you, you know, supplement all those, how will you do hoof care? All, all those questions. Try to think big picture about what your goals are what you want to do and how you can accomplish them. And, and then you won't be blindsided when some other costs arise. arise. So that would be, that's my point of view on this. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important for the longevity of our passion to put a little planning into, into what we're doing before we take on endless responsibilities. And in our next session, we're going to be talking a lot more about planning and, and what to do and, you know, really getting into a, a little bit deeper into planning because it is something that's hard to do when you're a horse person in a lot of cases because horses are so expensive. But once you, once it becomes a habit, it gets a lot easier. And, uh, you know, once you have a budget and you have a plan and, and in place, then it is easier to to make those investments, to set that money aside that you need to every year uh, to, you know, so that there is a retirement with your horses, so that you can have more horses even in your retirement. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, what that's the part we all, none of us wants to get to retirement and not be able to afford horses. You know, we, we need to be able to get to retirement or, uh, you know, later, even later in life and have more horses. That's what everybody wants. So we're at least that's what all the horse women I know want. Um, I'm not sure the horse husbands agree with that, but it's <laughs> it's certainly something the wives want. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about in the next session is finally starting to make a plan and to make a budget and and what then 
can you do to make sure that you're building you're building actual wealth you're building a portfolio you're building you're building a savings over a period of time that is going to help you and your horses later in time uh, but there your i was hoping your answer would be today and you did you said that <laughs> so you know the time to start planning is always today uh the actually the best time was about 10 years ago in a lot of our cases, but you can't go back. So today's is the best time. And we're going to be talking more about that. If you want to hear all of the series, we have a lot more segments to come where we're getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of planning and budgeting. We're going to be doing that. And you can find all of the players and all of the segments by themselves, all broken out at horseradionetwork.com slash planning. And you can find Christina at chicorywealth.com chicorywealth.com and that is spelled c-h-i-c-o-r-y thank you for joining us for our financial discussion today these concepts are broad in nature and may or may not apply to you the content is provided for informational purposes only please see your financial advisor or call christina at chicorywealth.com to discuss your individual needs that's chicorywealth.com All right, let's head over to the big boss of the USEF, U.S. Equestrian. We're going to give Bill Maroney a call right now to find out how the planning is going for opening up horse shows again beginning June. We'll find out what kind of feedback he's getting. I know one of our listeners, Jill, just went to a horse show. You said uh, you know about that place. Uh, I do, yeah. She just went up to Stonegate Farm, I believe, in Ohio. And she said, you know, they were they were pretty they were pretty good about regulating no groups, you know, huddling together and talking, trying to keep people apart. Uh, she said she didn't see anybody in masks, but I guess that's a pretty open place, and it was a jumper slash uh, cross country school show. Mm-hmm. So she said, uh, otherwise, you had to bring your own food, you had to sanitize everything, uh, you know, and, and pretty much keep it to yourself. And she said people were doing that. It's easy to I think that's easier to do at a event type show um then it would be a hunter show a hunter show you've got a million people crowding around the end gate yeah. and everything yeah well thank you both for joining us we have bill here who else do we have vicky lowell's with me okay good and vicky's title is uh chief marketing and content officer united states equestrian federation all right thank you for joining us vicky appreciate that so, guys, it's been two months since we talked the last time on the Facebook Live, and it seems like two years, uh, actually. So uh, a lot has happened, and we're looking at opening up horse shows again here at the beginning of June. Last week on the show, we went through pretty uh, pretty point-by-point point how things were going to work and what you guys had put out. So what kind of feedback are you getting from show organizers? And I'm a, I guess it's a mixed bag like everything else, huh? Sure, it is. Um, you have uh, people at both ends of the spectrum, but the majority of people are are somewhere in the middle, finding a balance of um, one one common theme we found is that when horse shows begin again, people um, people just want to make sure that everyone's doing it as safely as possible, whether they're an organizer or a participant. 
We had a listener that went to a show over the weekend. It was a small show, a jumper show, and then a cross-country segment to it. And she kind of reported back that they were really making sure there was no small groups, that there were no food. You had to bring your own. They were You had to clean the bathroom. You know, I, I don't know if they actually, actually had a bathroom or porta-potties, whatever. But they were really good about not letting people clump together at the end gate. They were telling people to stay apart. Because you forget. I mean, you do forget. It's human nature to talk to people, right? Especially at end gates and things like that. So the show was pretty good about it. That's the first report I've gotten so far. That's great. That's great news. Then people are are paying attention and wanting to be part of the community effort to have as safe an environment as possible. Now, I think the thing you're going to have the most trouble with, and she said she didn't see one, was a mask. She said she didn't see any masks, uh, but she said it was spread out. Nobody was really close to each other. Uh, so I think that's the one. That's the one society's having the most trouble with. So I think it's just common sense that it's the one that we're going to have most trouble with too. And that would have been then a non-USEF licensed competition this weekend. Right. Now, that, right. that's why I brought that up, because you are that is going to be required. Can you force people to do it at USEF shows? USEF um, is, a, is a private organization. And so there's conditions of membership for all sorts of things, like not abusing your horse, not um, drugging your horse, not... Um, you know, acting improperly as a, as a human towards others, et cetera. So yes, we can set rules and regulations that uh, can be enforced at USEF competitions. And if people don't like those, then they don't have to attend a USEF competition. But right now, what, what we're receiving from the medical community, public health authorities, et cetera, is people wearing masks and everyone wearing masks is has a significant positive effect on um, reducing the um, the uh, transmittal of the um, virus. So it's it's not a, you know you to your point, you see a lot of places out there in the world where you know there there are or there aren't mask requirements. Um, and so I myself, I was in a, a a Walgreens pharmacy picking up a prescription yesterday, and there's a sign at the front that says, mandatory, you must wear a mask. There were only three people out of 10 I saw in there, including myself, wearing a mask. And I asked the the cashier why they did not enforce it. And they said, well, they've been told as employees not to enforce it. So they basically have a sign saying one thing and their actions are another. That's not going to be the case at a USCF competition. So... So are you getting I, I know there have been a lot of shows canceled and a lot that have, you know, rearranged and reset for, for new dates and things like that. Are are you getting a feeling for the number of shows that are going to be coming back as a percentage? So quite a few competitions um have canceled and quite a few, especially in the eventing uh discipline, have asked for uh to see if there's a possibility of rescheduling. Right now, I would say that uh, uh, not having exact knowledge of it, just in the the spreadsheets I've received, I would say 30% of competitions that uh, were in the window of potentially canceling have asked for uh, the ability to postpone to a future date later in the year, if that's possible, you know, going through all the, the normal processes. 
Got it. And I did want to go back to the mass thing. I, I forgot to mention that uh, I, I could not believe the number of people who don't read uh, and saw the Facebook comments. I'm not riding in a mask. And they're not asking you to ride in a mask. That's the one time you don't right. have to wear the mask. So, right. because in right. an event on cross country, you will die of suffocation. <laughs> so, well, like, well, the other particular piece is, you know, the, the way it's worded is very important because if you. If you have the possibility of being within six feet of somebody, you need to be wearing the mask. But if you're out to your point on a cross country course, riding clearly, you're you're six feet away and you're out there riding. But even if you're course walking and no one else is around, you know, if you want to slide your mask down because you're by yourself out there and and want to walk around, that's your choice. But if somebody the possibility of somebody approaching you is going to be within six feet. You need to put your mask back up. Now, will they be temperature checking the competitors, or is that a self-policing kind of thing? It, it is a self-policing uh, situation, but the organizers, we have left enough flexibility within the um, action plan that organizers, if they want to go a step further and actually control the the uh, ingress and egress sites of the competition grounds and, and conduct temperature readings themselves, they are permitted to do that. So it's important that people look at the websites of competitions and see what additional requirements they may have put into place. It was interesting because uh, the, the the listener I did talk to that went to this little show over the weekend said people were going with the knowledge that it's going to be different. And I know, yeah. you know, we've seen a lot of posts and you've gotten feedback, I'm sure, from people who don't want it to be different. Well, we none of us want it to be different, right? So we all right. don't want it to be different. And it's just the way it is for now. I, I did see that uh, Mary Kessler sent uh, or put out a notice last week. And I, I thought, well, that must mean you're getting some kind of feedback where he said, you know, if you're uncomfortable and you feel the risk is too high, don't go. If you're a high risk individual, don't go. If if you have symptoms of a flu, please don't go. You know, and I think people are going to really have to self-police that. The other one was if you became aware that you've been in contact with somebody that's tested positive, don't go for 14 days. So we really are relying on people to be honest about those kind of things. But one of the things that will happen, it's already started to happen, is, you know, I saw church service. There was somebody just just a couple days ago that was in a church service, 50 people, one person tested positive. They had to contact all those people and tell them they should be self-quarantining. So the same kind of thing will happen at a horse show. If people, somebody comes up positive, they're going to ask them, where you been? And if it's a horse show, that same thing's going to happen. I know that's what you're trying to avoid. Absolutely. That's why it's a community effort. And, and when you go to get tested uh, through a public uh, uh, health uh, process or even at your own doctor, if they were administering those, um, they have a duty to report positive uh, cases and then becomes the part of, of contact tracing. And so they want to find out all the people you've been in touch with and get those people, put their arms around them and get them isolated from everyone else for a period of time uh, to make sure that they don't, in fact, turn out to be positive and and um, have the, the virus. And oh, by the way, they're not going to ask you just not to go to a horse show. They're not they're going to ask you to quarantine for 14 days. I mean, yeah, obviously, whether the person does or not. Is a, is a different story, but that's what they're going to ask you to do. They want you to stay home from work. Sure. They, you know, they don't they don't want you out in public. Uh, and and uh, I think that part's being overlooked a little bit by a lot of people. But um, yeah. so so let's get back. You guys did put out a COVID toolkit, which I 
which I read thoroughly. It's pretty extensive. Tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, I think I think our reality is whether people are in favor of competition resuming or not in favor, what is the right thing to do to help people out? So those that choose to want to go to a competition or organizers that want to host one, what, it, what do we need to do for those participants and organizers? We need to provide as much information in as simple a way as possible to help them responsibly organize events and participate in events. And so, um, because even if, even if there were no USEF competitions, to your point, there was just a competition this weekend that was non-USEF. I imagine that somebody has seen this action plan and this toolkit and the things that, that USEF has said, and, and good for them if they looked at it and learned from it about things they needed to do. I wish they maybe had gone a step further and kept the face masks on everybody and, and put that requirement into place for their competition. But, you know, there's part of this is for USEF competitions, not only mandatory requirements, but also a mandatory requirement to conduct a risk assessment for their particular competition because venues are different. They're, they're different in size, they're different in the nature of, of how the rings are laid out, where people may come together and be those aggregation points where they've got to have things in place to keep that from happening. So having to use the risk assessment tool to help determine where those, those high risk, medium risk and low risk points are and how to mitigate them is very important to the organizer and the participant. And that was pretty. That was pretty clear in there, and very well spelled out, I might say. Uh, and you know, it's it's what it's what our listener said. The one place she, that she saw a congregation was at the in gate, and she said they kept telling people to you know spread apart. Um, and in gates are the place where you know that's what happens at, at horse shows. So I think that's the one that they were at least conscious of regulating that. That was uh, good. So let's talk about points and qualifications. I noticed that the show jumping ranking list pretty much is is going to be frozen for points from March 20th to September 1st. Are we seeing that in, in other places as well, where we're kind of putting it on hold as horses get back into showing and what's fair? And some people in some places can show and others can't, which makes it unfair for, for doing points. Sure. So that's a great question. The, the show jumping ranking list is a specific tool and it, it has a, a direct connection to um, to choosing teams, including for the, the uh, Tokyo Olympic Games, which are now in, in scheduled to be in 2021. Um, so there, there is a particular reasoning around um, the, the, to your point, I guess the word you used was freezing of the, the ranking list until September um, because it's, the ranking list includes competitions not only in our country but around the world and all different things are happening. With regards to qualification for USEF properties such as the Junior Hunter Finals or Pony Finals, Predestates, USEF Medal, etc., as, as we analyze those situations, uh, part of the analysis is, is this viable to move forward with these events. But in the cases that they are taking into account that we've basically had a, a 10 to 11 week um, hiatus of USEF competitions and how does that hiatus affect opportunities, qualifying opportunities, number of USEF medal classes uh, for competitions that were missed. So we're making adjustments 
to qualification criteria for a lot of events and announcing those as those, um, those uh, changes are made. Um, and some events are later in the year, so they're not happening all at once. We'll continue to put out um, releases as those occur. With regards to National Horse of the Year points with USEF, we are looking at uh, each breed and discipline, the typical number of events that occur in any given year, looking at how the, the virus uh, outbreak and the pandemic is affecting competitions um, and to determine uh, what our plan will be about that. And we'll be discussing that with the board at our mid-year meeting, um, which is coming up uh, the third week of June. I think the reality is, again, we've got people on one, on one end of the spectrum saying you should completely cancel Horse of the Year awards and, and points, uh, but realizing also that, those, that keeping track of results is critical because that affects future uh, events even into 2021 and qualifications, et cetera. And at the same time, you've got people at the other end. We just received a letter the other day um, from some competitors who say we really are looking forward to being able to get back to the competition ring because we really cherish Horse of the Year awards and we realize you may make some changes to do the best you can to be fair, but we want you to know that we also support the fact of, of maintaining them. So we'll be looking at all of this information as we make decisions that, you know, try to do the best we can for our, um, our members um, and also with everybody realizing no situation is going to be absolutely perfect for every person. It, it's doing the best we can. And obviously, when you look on social media, it's funny. Horse people have opinions. Amazing. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> when you look at social media, you do see that whole rank from one complete end to the other. And, uh, you know, right. obviously, a lot depends on what that person's personal circumstances are, too. There are some some of our listeners, I'm just noticing, are just getting back to their barns for the first time. And they're realizing that they're just saying, look, you know, my summer's you know, not going to be what it was. And they're accepting the fact that, you know, they're not going to be in running for things, you know, like they would have in any other year. And I think acceptance, it's acceptance wasn't something that when we talked last time, people were even at that point yet. You know, we were in the middle of it. And I think that now people either are accepting or they're, they're starting to get angry. It's just there's a range of emotions right now that are happening that when I talked to you last time, they weren't there yet. And it's been interesting to see that progress, and you guys have seen it in the office there too. And even personally, we've all gone through a hundred different things in the last three months. Absolutely, I think uh, a, a colleague of mine summed it up. I thought very well. The um, we don't have jurisdiction over the virus; it has jurisdiction over us. It's controlling our lives. It's controlling every part of our lives, whether it's going to the grocery store, picking up take out food and not being able to go in a restaurant, how we go to, to Lowe's and Home Depot, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's, and, and to your point, I don't know that we will ever get back to what people considered normal before the pandemic. I think we're going to see for a long time, um, whether it's imposed by federal, state, and local uh, jurisdictions or, or it's self-imposed, we will see people acting differently, behaving differently for a long time to come. I think we'll see shaking of hands gone for a while. 
I think that's going to go away for a while. We'll see if that ever comes back. You may never see it come back, right? (laughs) We'll we'll have some new behaviors and we'll have some behaviors that have disappeared. Hopefully the newest behavior that will will stick is the fact of people working together to, to figure out how to solve problems to the best of our ability and accepting, your word was great, accepting the fact that nothing will be perfect, nothing may be the same again, so we do our best as we move forward to to do the best we possibly can for horse and human. I think we'll be seeing 100% more hand washing than we've ever seen in the past. That is true. <laughs> I think that's yeah. Well, a couple things I wanted to mention that we talked about last time but they're still available and I I didn't I didn't want to forget them, is you have a mental health uh, member assistance program that's open to your members, where members are eligible to receive three free consultations, and that's still active, right? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, and that phone number is 800-633-3353. So, you know, know, as longer we go here, people might be needing that more or less. Uh, uh, But uh, I wanted to mention that. And you also, I noticed you've even been doing sponsored ads for your insurance program. Yes, yes, because new products have been added um, and also uh, a new, broader, uh, more robust call center has been created. But I think what's really important is is, you know, I think we all uh, suffer a little bit from the expectation that everybody we talk to is going to know the answer to everything we're asking. But if people don't get, don't get the information they were searching for, either from people not understanding the question or the question, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, give us a call. We'll put you in touch with the people to get the answers to your questions. Um, you know, we're all in this together and we're all trying to get through it together. So um, it's very important to keep communicating. So either one of you have uh, something else you, you want to put out there before we go? I would say the only thing I would uh, just ask people to stay checked in to USCF.org. We have um, webinars that we've been putting on to help educate people. Um, We had a broad one that's posted uh, for both competition organizers and members that sort of kicked off the action plan. And then we've been having targeted ones to follow up with licensed officials, with competition um, organizers. Um, we have one today for competition organizers on insurance and liability. We're trying to um, put out as much information in different ways that we can. Webinars have kind of given an opportunity for face-to-face and, and just on Zoom, um, and then Q&A. And we're posting all of that information on our website uh, so people can watch um, and they can read and they have access to ask questions. And, and I think... Following up on that, I mean, we have to understand what we're looking at here, which is safeguarding not only our personal lives, but the lives of other people around us. And so, you know, do your, as a participant, as an organizer, do your risk assessment. You know, determine what is the right decision for you based on information that's available and out there. And so, even on our website, there's a state-by-state, a link to state-by-state updates, um, and we're going to be posting um, a spreadsheet that will help aggregate some of that for people. Um, and so uh, it's just really important to, to look at the resources, look them over, understand them, call if you have questions. But at the end of the day, each person has to make the decision that best works for them based on their risk assessment, their their level of, of risk. And I think 
uh, Murray's email was very clear about that, you know. And, it was and very clear about that. <laughs> questions. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was very clear because we've had a lot of questions. Well, what are you going to do um, because I'm I'm potentially a higher risk individual or a what some refer to as vulnerable uh, demographic, et cetera. Well, you know what? That first of all, the competitions are going to put out there what they're going to do. We've put out there what needs to be done. But at the same time, you you need to decide for yourself, you know, and and depend on yourself a little bit more in the process. I noticed that Disney's looking at open up Disney Springs, which is their shopping and and uh, restaurant area. And they're it, it, well, I read this this morning. They they're putting huge signs up that says, "Just because we're open doesn't mean you're not going to get sick here, and you can't hold us responsible." I mean, they're putting those everywhere. So that's exactly right. That's. Yeah. That's what everybody, that's the reality of, of where we live. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. You know, one thing you you haven't gotten a lot on social media is thanking you for what must be an amazing amount of hard work and just everything changing every day and just has to be a nightmare to keep up with. So I just wanted to let you know that uh, most of us out there really appreciate what you're doing and the hard work you're putting in to, to salvage any kind of show season this year. Thanks very much. We have thank a great you. team. All right. Good job, guys. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Can you imagine the spreadsheets? <laughs> no. I mean, those guys have their, they are earning their keep. I've thought about all the people that organize shows because there's, Do you there's know people that, that let compete. Let me tell you this. Let me show you how much they're, they, they, they are in charge of 3,500 shows a year. Well, and if you think, too, uh, you know, some of us just go to the random schooling show. Maybe we do a, a one recognized show a year. But there's people that it's their lifestyle to go to shows. And, and they, it's their and livelihood, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, that it, it's your livelihood, but it's also a, a lifestyle to go as a – not a, as a trainer, just as a an amateur. You know, yep. there's so many amateurs that just – that's what they do. Yeah. Well, I hope you all found that interesting. Uh, we really appreciate them coming on and, and uh, you know joining us today. They were good to come on with us Facebook Live once before. So we'll keep in touch with them. And, you know, it's what I've said. No matter what side of the fence you're on, mask, no mask, this is real, this isn't. Uh, you know, we're going to know in another month or two how this all goes down with everything opening up. We'll know. It'll be pretty obvious, and then we'll see what happens from there. One thing we're guaranteed, Jamie, is it's going to change again. Uh, we're guaranteed That's true. that. Everything is going to change one way or another again and again. Uh, so let's hope that it changes for the better. We find a cure and a vaccine and we can we can get back to normal. But in the meantime, hold on, auditors. Uh, we'll chat with you for a couple of minutes after the show. Do, uh, wait, do you have a happy story or have you learned anything today? I've learned. Uh, what did I learn today? So I learned that horse shopping in the rural parts of this country is the same no matter what the accent. <laughs> That's, a good one. That's a good one. I've heard Pennsylvania Dutch accents. I've heard really thick Kentucky accents. I've been down here in Florida where we got uh, Scooter, which was pretty much no accent, but it looked a lot like that place you were at, only Scooter was tied to a post in the ground, and his, lead, his long 20-foot lead rope was wrapped around the tree. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, that makes good sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, our legs getting caught in that. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that what I learned today is through all of our um, first world equestrian problems that people have a lot of extra time and money. <laughs> like, was it the money that the government gave you? I don't know what happened. Everybody just has all this. Uh, everybody's buying stuff, and I love it. Did you post that it. on and, Auditor Room? I want to I see what they're buying. We'll report on no, that on no, Wednesday. No, no, no. I'll do that right now. Yeah, we'll report on that on Wednesday. All right. Thanks, everybody. Tomorrow, what do we have tomorrow? We have the CHA, Certified Horsemanship Association, tomorrow. And then fox hunting is later in the week on Thursday. Otherwise, Jamie and I are here with you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks, everybody. Bay Neuter Geld. Hey, I got a new mixer, and I didn't screw it up. Proud you, buddy. I can turn it down. I can turn it up. Once I figure out the reverb, we'll play with that on Wednesday. All right, we are out. So I posted a picture of the mixer in the auditor room and a picture of the old one compared to the new one. It's come a long way in 12 years. I can hook six mics to this. I could have a lot of company. I'm not allowed to have company, but I could have company. Someday. (laughs) That was really nice of them to come on and do that with us today. That serves them, too. He's kind of a straight shooter, too. He says, well, this is the way it is. <laughs> it's what we've been dealt. These are our cards. This is what we have to do with it. And what a lot of people don't realize is they have to look at it on a much bigger scale. You know, 3,500 shows, things starts to go wrong, and then the press gets a hold of, you know, 20 people sick at this horse show, and now, you know, 200 people infected. That's not good press. So they also have to worry about the press, which is something that, you know, they have to deal with. Uh, I, you know, I can't, just can't imagine what some of those meetings have been like. Because, you know, even within the organization, they don't all agree. So it must be interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a nightmare that I don't want to participate in. <laughs> like, I'm glad somebody else is doing it. That, that's what they make this the big why bucks, Every sure. time I get to be asked on a board of something, whether it's podcasting or horse related, I say no. I just can't. I'm not cut out for that. Yeah. Do you want to be on our on our panel or board? No. No. You don't want to know my opinion. No. And I'm not. Th- that's the truth. They don't want to know because we tell it the way it is, and they do not want our opinion. They want, they want to be told, they want yes people. And you and I are really not good at yes people. We're not good at that. And I have been asked to be on some in the last, well, all, all 10 years, but in the last year especially. I don't know why. Even on the podcasting side, I've said no. Just can't, not doing it. So this, this horsey, did you, did you get him the price uh, down? Did you negotiate? Well, he was a whopping twelve hundred dollars. Oh, <laughs> and uh, when I said, uh, uh, "Did you offer what him do you, six? <laughs> what do you take?" and I, they were like twelve hundred, and I was like, "All right, put him in." <laughs> that was my negotiating because he Good was worth he's worth that. I mean, you know, the thing is, there, and by the way, what I didn't tell you on the air is that this place bred. You know how much this mm, they bred dogs. They had dogs in runs. All healthy looking dogs. You know, of course, again, every animal was just a little un- underweight. Yeah. Um, but they had all the dogs in kennels outside. They bred goats. They bred dogs. It looked like they had some sort of horse breeding thing. They had 24 horses. They did? Oh, I thought they only had two. That was the impression I got. Oh, no. No, no, no. So was he a dealer? There was a lot of animals on this place. I don't know. They said, oh, we bought all the horses for our daughter. 
Yeah, that's really. crap. There's a dealer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, it was, it was, it was, but again, if they're like flipping horses and making, you know, charging 1200, I'm like, what did they pay for him? They got him free. Know? Somebody dumped him at the driveway. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I, t- I try to take, take the good with the bad, but whatever. It's, did this look the like your typical Oklahoma farm? What I also didn't say is that when you drive up this, the, you go up to the fourth dirt road on the right, you make a left, go down the road past the implements, and you get up, and you'll know you're there when you see our double wide on the left. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know exactly the place I was at. Yep. Implements in the yard, horses like that. I can't believe they survived. <laughs> you know, like. Ugh. That's the kind of place when a tornado does come through, not much left. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe how many people chance living in a trailer in Oklahoma. Yeah, there I don't are think so I'd many trailers. No way. I mean, I, you got, they you, have to have a cellar or something, don't they? I don't know. I didn't ask. Hey, y'all got a storm shelter? These <laughs> things are about to blow away without a tornado. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to, <laughs> For those that it's missed just it, one of those Danny things, does like, have I... one, in case you're worried, in the new house, her pantry is made of foot-thick concrete block attached 20 feet into the ground. Everything will blow away, and what will be left is her, and uh, it'll be her and Lucas in there eating snacks. Uh, no, 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 it's not that. It's the pantry. I need to put some snacks in there. They said to put shoes in there because you always run down there and uh, barefoot, you know, uh, yeah. then you come out and you need shoes. So uh, it's going to be us and shoes, and currently it's holding the booze. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> because we have another pantry. <laughs> it's kind of like a storm shelter and it's got all the booze and like our paperwork and shoes. I should Does put it have some a snacks super thick metal door. Oh my god. And it has a top lock, a middle lock, and a bottom lock. Oh, so you're so a triple lock. Nobody's getting in once you're it's also a place to hide from the from the zombies, huh? From the popo. <laughs> 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 well, it's appropriate. It is Poor like zombies. a <laughs> it is like a moonshine thing. You got the booze in there. You're good to go. It is definitely a place that I, I, again, it's better than the underground one because I was like, you know what? I'll die. I let the tornado yeah, come. I am not there, climbing no in that what. underground dumpster full of spiders. Like, yeah, I vacuum the spiders out of there. They're there the next day. Yeah, I don't. I, you weren't real happy about that. No, <laughs> it was not your no. favorite thing. No. All right, we have to go. Uh, so, auditors, please keep in mind, uh, Wednesday night, 7.30, we're going to be doing the Facebook Live, uh, doing all kinds of equine artists, and then uh, we're going to be doing a little auction for the art, the Fergus art that we're doing, and we hope that you consider buying it, hanging on your wall. It's going to be one of a kind, that's for sure, So, and it's going to so benefit exciting. the charity. So uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in that night and helping out. All right, let's call it a day. All right. Bye, guys.